This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. I get to be your host this week. This is Mayor Matt, and I am joined tonight by Samantha Schweitz, John in Miami, and Ant. Good evening, everybody. Hello. No. Good evening. Mayor. Let's get right to it. You know, when we last left our superheroes last Wednesday, we were talking a little bit about Valentine's Day, and I think the world wants to know, did Johnny come through for Valentine's Day? And tell us about your Valentine's Day experience. All right. So he was cute and ended up getting me a card and these little flowers. But I told him like, oh, you don't have to get me anything, whatever. So he made the card and the present from Cooper. So it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, your your son's getting you a Valentine's Day present. So it could be kind of corny and doesn't have to be a big thing because I told him, don't worry about it. And I did end up stopping by uh, the store to get him a card. So I returned the favor (laughs) on that one, but we actually were able to drop my son off with my parents for uh, Valentine's Day dinner. And we're like, oh, let's go to a Japanese restaurant. Let's have some sushi. And the place that we went to literally sat there for 10 minutes. We're probably one of three other couples in this entire restaurant, sat there for 10 minutes and nobody came up to even greet us or anything. So I was like, Johnny, we, we got to go. I can't just sit here. So we went to another Japanese restaurant down the street and they took us right away and like we had no issues. But it's funny because even when we're leaving this restaurant, the people thought we had finished our dinner at the front and they're like, oh, have a good evening. They didn't even realize we just like literally left and never like we just came in and just left. They had no idea. So not even paying attention. So Here's my question, actually. Have you ever done that? Like been at a restaurant, no one has said anything to you and you just walked out? Absolutely. But before before that, so you went indoor dining? Yeah. Well, I made a reservation. And like I said, one of like three other couples at this place. We're never getting out of this pandemic. (laughs) Well, does it make it better that the second location we went to is like, they have a closet you sit in. So like you sit in a closet and they close the door. So you're kind of like 
off in your own little space? No, but moving on. So what, uh, so to answer your, your, um, your first question. Yeah, definitely. That's happened. I think uh, to me on two occasions where you just sit down there, um, you're, you're expecting them to bring your menu, greet you or do something. And all of a sudden you're just there and time, time seems to pass by very slowly. And next thing you know, you're like, let's get out of here. It's not even embarrassing because like you said, as soon as you walked out, you, you, they were like, all right, thank you. Come again. And that, that's a similar experience. They had no, no clue. I think maybe it was one of those cases where one server thought it was the other server's, you know, table or what have you. And no, you just sit there awkwardly for, for about five, 10 minutes, no water, no menu, no anything. And then you're like, mm, uh, you know, don't need any of this stuff. Uh, and then just walk out. So I'm with you. The, other, the only other time I think I've walked out of a restaurant was worst maybe dining experience I've ever had. And they got everything wrong. Everything was terrible. And I think we were with a, you know, not a large group, but certainly it was a group. And everybody was like, listen, we got to get out of here and not even pay this. It was that horrible. I, I, I guess I didn't feel right with, with that scenario. And I think I paid about like three quarters of it to make the point that, Hey, listen, this was, and there's no way, there's no way they would have ever gone after us or, or for, because I think they even recognize how terrible and poorly um, that night in that service was. How about you guys? Schweitz, you got anything? Uh, I think we have once, but it was more, we recognized that they were very uh, short staffed at the restaurant and it was a very crowded restaurant. So part of it is we knew it was going to take forever. So we just sort of got up and left to go to a different place just because we knew, um, you know, we, we actually, we wanted to make it easier on the server. It's like, here's one less table to deal with. Uh, that's really the only time, but no, we, we had our regular spots. We went out to eat a lot growing up different, different places. We knew who was good and who was bad. So we could, we could usually gauge it as soon as we walked in, if we were going to stay or not. Oh man, I must be a dick. I feel like I've done that like between five and 10 times. Like I feel like there's been many instances. And to be fair, definitely a lot. I think I've only done it once with my wife because she's sort of not like, she's sort of like, oh, just let's wait. Like not being nice, but just like, come on. Like, you know, you, you, you've done this work. You know, it's hard work kind of thing. But I feel like I used to do it a lot because we would just run the places like, no, I'm not like, it's been 15 minutes. You haven't even brought me a menu. I, I'm not like, I can't. Yeah, like what's the threshold in which you're like, okay, too long, I got to go. Like, is it five minutes, 10, 20? Like, how long are you willing to just sit there? Like, well, what is that number? John says 15, but I, I'm telling you that I've never, I can't, I don't think I've ever walked out of a sit down restaurant. And part of it is because I want to have the story to tell. I mean, the worse that it gets, the greater the story becomes. And so if you, if you, it's like bailing on a bad movie, you can see it's that the whole thing. And again, you just enjoy the, 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 the total train wreck before you get out. I will tell you the worst dining experience my wife and I've ever had, which wasn't even a dining experience. We were traveling from St. Augustine back to Georgia. So it was either in North Florida or South Georgia. There was a Kentucky fried chicken and it's, again, we were traveling. This was 15 years ago and we were like, we, we don't typically eat at that place, but it was like, Hey, it said a buffet. And we were like a Kentucky fried chicken buffet that would be that's interesting so we pull off and we we go in and i'm telling you the place when i say the place was filthy i mean it was every table had food on it i mean if the tables were empty the bar it was totally unkempt i mean it looked like a third world country in there so we obviously just went yeah this isn't happening and we went somewhere else so we from that we walked out but i'm telling you 
the, the images are still just burned into my mind from Kentucky Fried Chicken Buffet. Probably good that I didn't eat there anyway, but it was, I mean, again, chicken bones, empty chicken bones all over the tables and nobody had cleaned them up. It was just disgusting. Yeah, I think 15 minutes is, is the right amount. And um, the reason why I, I wouldn't stick around is because I'm fat and I like to eat. So I'm like, <laughs> listen, let's get on to the next one. Because if I just stick around, uh, you know, for, for a story, uh, you know, I'm going to be about 60 pounds lighter. <laughs> the other thing I would say is sometimes I've, of my times that I've walked out, a bunch of times have been, I'm standing in the lobby waiting for someone to come even bring me to a table. And after five minutes, like five minutes, I've been standing here, like no one's even looked at me. Like people have walked past and not even like, hold on, I'll be back. Like, just like nothing. I'm like, all right, I can't like, you know. You like, feel so locked in once the drink orders are done? Like what if you, they just brought you water? Are you locked in once they bring the water? Like, ah, I can't leave now? Oh, oh hell gosh. no. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I mean like, look, I'm, I'm not just going to walk up because of whatever, but like I've been in a restaurant and after 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, I had water. I don't even have a menu. They haven't even come near me. And they're not crazy busy. Like, it's just people just choosing not to do it. I'm like, I, I can't. Like, I, I might throw a five on a table and walk. Like, just, I can't do it. I, I'm just not. Yeah. I went to a Benihana. It was for an anniversary for me and Johnny, actually. And they brought us waters. But, like, it was one of those things where they just, it's not even the server. It's just someone walks up and just drops off the waters and leaves. And I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? Why is it taking so long? And I was starving. So we both decided to leave. Funny enough, the place we went to is the same place we went to when we left this other restaurant. So Sakura, this Japanese place, that's like our our go-to location, I think, when we're like pissed about Japanese food not working out for us. So oh. yum yum sauce or what? I love yum yum sauce. So they didn't have that at Sakura. It's like um, just a sushi, regular sushi place. I've been going there since I was a kid. I'm like, I know the food's good. They have grilled chicken. So Johnny doesn't Johnny doesn't eat fish. So he he gets a grilled chicken teriyaki. And he's good to go. And I'm a happy camper. I even found some prep friendly food. It was um, cucumber wrapped tuna. I was like, oh, interesting. Nice. Ginger yum yum, by the way, is the correct answer. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> John, you've uh, bit something that happened to Billy this week, uh, something you wanted to kick off our next lopic with. As usual, um, Billy, Billy uh, always says something that resonates with me. Billy Gill, or as uh, they tried to name him, Billy Ill and his kidney stones. I, I suffer from kidney stones and it just started happening about a year ago. And when he mentioned the, the stages or what he was going through, I remember exactly, exactly that about a year ago, I was making breakfast and all of a sudden I start getting a weird sensation, not a pain, but a sensation on, on the side of my, uh, on the left side. And um, I look over to my wife and I just tell her, Hey, listen, something strange is happening here. My wife is a, an ER doctor. And I said, um, I know it's not a pain, but it's a sensation. And about three, three to five minutes later, it started becoming a pain. And then she's like, Oh, is it really hurting? Is it this thing? And I said, yeah. She says, well, you might have a kidney stone. And I had never had one. I'm, you know, at that point, I guess I was, you know, my early forties. And I said, I never had one. How, how can you just start getting kidney stones? And um, she said, well, the next people who usually come into the ER, she's telling me they come in and they, they start vomiting and not two minutes after she said vomiting, the pain hit me and I got nauseated and I had to run and throw up. And then she's like, yep kidney stones. And so I think the rest of that day, she was like, let's just do the ibuprofen thing. And I did for a few days. 
luckily I, I passed it because the pain subsided. And I think I saw it, you know, in, you know, when I went, when I went pee pee, I think I saw the, the sediment there. And so I was like, oh man. And so ever since, ever since that happened, I've had that sensation twice before. And I'm, I, they're not sympathy pains right now, even though Billy has them, I think I'm currently suffering through them, but they're not, it must not be a very large stone because I don't have the pain. And, and of course, once I heard that, I started thinking of all the, the rest of the guys on the show talking about their either ailments and, and you know, about getting older. And I started thinking about getting older. And so I started, I wanted to know from you guys, Samantha's probably excluded in this conversation since she's like nowhere near old. When did you guys start to feel old? I know my, my idea of starting to get old was, was when my body started breaking down on me or, or not processing things right. And looking back, maybe that time was the first time I got heartburn. And I think it was all downhill from there. So I'd like to know if my experience on getting older or feeling like you're getting older and the, go ahead. We're, we're, we're going to go youngest to oldest. That's how we're going to play this game. And we'll, we'll give young Samantha the opportunity to jump in and give, you know, if you feel like maybe you've lost a step somewhere. Oh, for sure. Um, here's my disadvantage. Even though I'm young, I've been playing sports since I was seven. Being an athlete for 22 years, your body drastically ages faster. And so many parts of my body is just destroyed. Like I had shoulder surgery because my shoulder was like torn and dislocating and I didn't get the surgery for like nine years and all the scar tissue. So like shoulder is a, is one, um, I've broken all four of these fingers. So they don't bend properly, like on my left hand. Um, my <laughs> fun thing when I'm scrolling, uh, the mouse for work. That's probably my number one uh, arthritic pain is my, my scrolling finger on the mouse. I get knee clicks like all over the place. I get the sore back. I, I got it all. And the fact that I went through pregnancy I also like pushed my body into some other accelerated level of pain. So I've actually experienced heartburn um, at a very young age. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I would, I would say I, even though I'm 29, you could probably say I'm about 39 in how my body's aged, if that makes sense. Uh, well, I had my first gray hair when I was two years old and I, I had salt and pepper hair my entire life until, uh, I always knew I was going to bald early cause that's how it works on, in my family. So lost all the hair really early, but never really had an issue. Never, never associated that with being old just because I knew that was going to happen. And, uh, I probably started going bald in my, in my twenties, but I would say the, the, the thing for me has always been a uh, foot pain. I have a weird walking mechanic, I guess. I was a runner for a bit of time until a, a friend of mine who has a master's uh, in kinesiology and biomechanics and is a trainer and trained me uh, would watch me run and say, please don't run again. You know, I developed bone spurs and stress fractures and stuff like that. So I get all types of uh, foot pain now that I'm completely paranoid about getting more stress fractures and stuff, especially when I have to carry around a two-year-old a lot of the day. So I'd say, uh, you know, just the, the feet pain and working on your feet and that kind of stuff is always what, what I'm paranoid about. All right, Ant, what do you got? Wow, um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I feel like um, sort of just generically sort of sometimes in my like mid thirties, 
you just didn't recover as fast, whether it was from playing sports and you twisted the ankle and usually the next day you were fine. And two days later, it's like, wow, this is still hurting or God, you know, you know, my knee or whatever, you know, or like you go out and get drunk and the next morning you're much more tired. You're much more out of it. You need the, the rest of the day to sort of get, you know, your body back moving in the, in the direction you were. I feel like it was much more that for me. It wasn't necessarily a moment. It was just sort of, and then you look like, you're like, wow, these last couple of years I've been you know much more not even injury prone necessarily but just everything takes longer to to get back to what you think is 100% and then you realize wait I only got back up to 90 like it's like a phone battery you so losing the charge and now you can only get back to this height and then it's like I can get back to that height and so that's it more specifically also to jump back to what you were saying twice as far as gray hair goes um I know some of it's with age but I swear before I had kids I didn't have gray hair like, and, and, and again, I, I understand my, my eldest is 13. I was, you know, 32 when, when, when she was born, you know, I'm, I'm 46 now, but like, you know, the whole side of my head, I feel like is like completely gray. And, you know, I certainly feel that, uh, that, that is, a, is a correlation, not just the causation. Okay, guys. <laughs> John, you gave me a second to, to kind of think about some of these things. And there's a few instances. I remember I was playing in a flag football game and actually, you know, I'd play center and they would like work the middle of the field with me and I'd catch it and I'd run like a, you know, run an option off of that. Well, anyway, I was playing and made a catch, actually made a move and made a guy miss. And I started running down the field. And then I, I mean, my groin muscle just I mean I just went I went down like a I went sniped I mean I went down I was able to pitch it to the guy but I remember going home and I mean I had to climb into the tub and my wife was like what are you doing to yourself that was that was probably the first one the other thing I used to like to do is go to the park and play basketball they would see the the heavier white guy well, the old guy, you know, hustling fundamentals would get you a lot of places. And I would go to the park and it'd take me a while to get on. But then when I would get on again, just just doing the dirty things and just working hard, running up and down the floor, we'd end up running four or five games and I would be feeling fantastic. I lived about a half mile from the park, not even. And I'd get in the car and by the, when I got home, I, I couldn't climb out of the car. I mean, it just so painful to even walk and and again, you try to go do something to be healthy and to be in good shape and to exercise. And it just, it just got me. So, and again, I don't know if it's years, the back, uh, you know, putting four or 500 pounds on your back to do squats when you're in high school probably isn't a good idea. Uh, but we did that an awful lot and, um, that's right. And, uh, I think I, I pay the price for those as well, but anyhow, thank you for letting me live a little bit of that, uh, those glory days. And I, I certainly feel them every day. Uh, and you've got a topic related to shoes. Yeah. So, um, you know, coming from New York, the whole idea of shoes being thrown over the power lines is something that is definitely a part of something that I see almost every day in my neighborhood. Um, now, some of it is a little different because compared to a lot of rural areas, we don't have a lot of street power lines. In some of the, you know, outer boroughs, you get some of that, but you know, so you're not necessarily getting it in Manhattan, but in Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and the Bronx, you're getting it. And I was very, I very much liked that topic of conversation because it was definitely a big part of that was something that I saw a lot growing up. And yeah, in the end, you know, there's, there is a, as Dan was saying, there is sort of a gang component to that, but there's also just some, you know, I remember growing up, some kids would throw their old shoes, tie them up and throw them because what were they going to do? They're going to throw them in the trash. It'll be fun to have them 
hanging on the power lines kind of thing. Or, you know, like Stu mentioned, a bully might come in and take someone's shoes and do that sort of to get them in trouble or throw up in the tree or something more specific. So I was sort of fascinated by that topic because it was something that was very, very local for me. I don't know. Did, how did how did you guys take that topic? Did you even think of it? Has it anything you ever seen? Is Well, the, the impetus for, I guess, that conversation was the third Greg Cody back in my day in three consecutive weeks. So he's on a heater with that. And it was a pretty darn good one as well as far as the shoes. But uh, I don't have a lot of experience with the shoes on the power line. I, I guess I just don't, I don't get it. I was in New York for the first 10 years of my life, not uh, the side of the state you were on. But uh, John down in Miami, they got that going on down in your neck of the woods? We sure did. We had them all over the place. From naivete, I thought it was, it was just like kids being a little bit of a delinquent, you know, and just tossing their shoes, thinking it was very, you know, it would be fun or funny or just to pass by every day, you know, especially as a teenager, I would walk home. No, it wasn't middle school back then. It was called junior high. So I'd walk home from junior high. And so I could, thinking back on it, I could see that, you know, maybe somebody throwing it up there to, to maybe like leave their mark. So, you know, so to speak, but I, I always thought it was kind of just a delinquent, uh, twincy type of thing. Never associated it with gangs, although there were some gangs in the neighborhood. Did they actually put it on the poll? And was that the final verdict? I'd like to know. I don't have an answer for you, but um, <laughs> I guess I guess that's what they said, that it was all gang-related stuff. I always figured they, somebody got bullied and got their shoes taken away. They yeah. said that it, it represented uh, like a crack house nearby, but I think it was, I think it's more general than that. I think it's just, you know, drug deals or gang turf. I think it can mean a few different things. Samantha, anything to comment on this? I mean, I do remember seeing it as a kid also, but not knowing what it was. I was in the same mindset as John. Like, why are these kids throwing their shoes over the power lines? What is wrong with them? It never clicked, never thought about it. I mean, I wasn't really down in Miami a lot, but Fort Lauderdale a ton, and it, that's definitely where I would see it the most. Yeah, I don't, um, again, Aunt mentioned it was like taking your old shoes and throwing them on the line, because what else are you going to do with them? I kind of hoard my old shoes. I'll cut grass in them, or I'll, again, I look, <laughs> I look around my room, and I've got about five or six generations of past tennis shoes, and I, I don't know if i got a courting issue or just an emotional connection to, to past shoes. What, do you guys just throw your old shoes away? What do you no, do? I would say, Mayor, as an adult, that's definitely the case. But as a kid, I don't think you thought about it. I think you you, you wore your shoes once and you wanted mommy to buy you a new pair because there was a scuff on the side of them. I feel like that I feel like that was sort of a different way. And you may have been a I mean, I was a kid whose parents didn't buy him a ton of shoes. I wasn't able to get the Jordans or this or that. You know, I got like I remember one of the first pairs of shoes that I earned and bought with my own money because I wanted them. My parents were not gonna spend $85 on the Deion Sanders Nike shoes. And I was like, I want those shoes. I'm saving up. I'm taking my birthday money. I'm taking whatever other money I can get. And I'm putting this aside. I'm going to go get the, you know, you'll take me and we're going to get those shoes. But I wanted those shoes. So I totally get that. I just feel like as a kid, it's much more like, you know, shoes are sort of a, a you know, much more fluid in, 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 in wanting to wear old shoes. But go ahead, John, what do you got? Just real quick. I, I want some clarification. Did you say you put grass in your shoes? No, mowing the mowing the lawn like grass. Oh, so he would use them. He, okay, okay. I yeah, I thought it was some he, weird. He was smoking a bowl out of his shoes, John. <laughs> no, I, you see, again, I, it, this speaks to my naivete. I didn't even think in that sense. I thought maybe this was some weird offshoot of a green thumb type of thing where you do and you plant flowers in your shoes. Mowing um, the lawn. I, you know, I may be an yeah. elected official, but I, I mean, I I cut my own lawn. I cook my own food. I wash my own clothes. I'm. Uh, I'm a man of the people, John. Yeah. Mayor, I feel you about the sentimental connection to shoes. 
they didn't have to cost more than $5. Actually, some of my favorite shoes are the ones I got on sale for $5. I'm like, I'm going to value these for as long as I can. And they all have a purpose. Like you've worn out. It's okay. Okay. You're going to be my painting shoes. I'm going to keep you. You're going to be mowing the grass. I definitely had mowing the grass shoes. Like I had shoes. I'm like, "Eh, I'll wear these if it's going to be muddy outside, but definitely keeping the nice ones. Like, I have a purpose. Every shoe has a purpose and has a reason. And they all have their reason why they don't get worn anymore. He's like, that one rubs my toe the wrong way, but I can't just throw them out. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm sorry. And you talk about well, if you wanted a new pair of your parents to buy you a new pair of shoes, so you throw them up there. I'm just imagining the ass beating I would have gotten if I'd have <laughs> on a power line. Wait, what know, do you was, do though? I was like... saying that. I just mean you got a new pair of shoes. Your shoes are done. They're Okay. Going to go to Goodwill or whatever. I mean, at some point, in theory, your shoes are, or, or they don't fit you anymore. You wore no. six, now you wear an eight. You have no younger brothers or cousins. The, the no, shoes are going, to, you know, outside, hanging on the fence for someone to come by, pick them up, or, you know. But to well, Mary's point, you- my parents would be like, where the hell are your old shoes? What did you do with your shoes? You know, <laughs> and then, and, and oh, yeah. It, let me try to explain to them. I threw them on power lines. Right. Let's see how that goes. Your mom walks outside. It's like, John, what are those? Well, what if that. they didn't Gosh, throw it? Comes out is what, what happens. It could just be the friends are being jerks and like stole the shoes and threw them up on top or bullying them. Like, I'll oh, try and get them now. No, oh, let's see. Let's see how you can get those. And, you know, you come home, get a, you know, beaten for the shoes up there. But I would say, what if you just got bullied and your parents didn't know? Oh, then I would tell my, then, then I would tell my parents, but this is where the Billy in me comes out where I'd be like, I'd be just afraid of, a, of, a, of causing a fire and, and, uh, you know, bringing down the, the, the grid and bringing down a transformer or something. Uh, but before I forget, and before I let uh, you guys talk, I'll monopolize a little bit more. I want to know who remembers or had Tom McCann's because uh, I believe, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I know, I know uncle Dick, talked about them and i know that greg referenced them but uh, tom mccann's i i remember specifically going to i don't know if it was a tom mccann store or a store that was licensed to carry tom mccann's tom uh, mccann is a brand of shoes and you said you were in that too but yes. after you got out of tom mccann's it was buster brown's right Absolutely. i had tom mccann's by the way i remember going to that yep Ooh, look at but those are nice the tom mccann's i had i don't think were that nice no, they were like toddler shoes. Those were like the, your, your baby shoes were all Tom McCann's, right? I was 38. Yeah. <laughs> Are those little leather sandals? Well done. Uh, I, I guess no, no, they, they were just, they were like um, baby shoes. They had different, no, no, the, the Tom McCann's that I remember, they just had different styles, right? But it was, it was a, it was the brand of shoe, right? Oh. So Tom McCann, they had different styles, but I can tell you that they weren't, they weren't being worn by the cool kids. Oh, Evidently, they're still available in Canada. As Schweitz is taking the. Scroll. I'm just Google searching. <laughs> I oh, tried. So I never heard of it. I, my Google game's not on point. Uh, no. Well, I saw a picture. It, it sort of stuck out, but I, I think those were gone by the time uh, I was born. My first pair of shoes. Um, we had a family friend who was a star basketball player, or whose son was a star basketball player at the local high school when I was born. So he went out and bought uh, the uh, Air Jordans, the number one. We still have the box, $20. Those are my first pair of shoes or, or, you know, baby shoes, Air Jordans. They're in a box that looks like a locker. My mom just found them. There's still a price tag on the side that says 1995. And that was the gift he got for me. So, you know, wow, I haven't had a ton of money right now. I'm sure. Yes, yeah, so you should sell oh, the mic for a couple of grand. I absolutely could. I, I 
my mom found them recently. She had them in storage and, and uh, we have them out now, but uh, I've never been a shoe head or anything like that, but those are by far the coolest shoes I've ever had. All right, Schweitz, let's keep it with you. You, Billy uh, had some other news this week and you wanted to talk about uh, that a little bit and perhaps uh, send him on his way with some advice. That's right. Uh, so Billy on uh, Instagram the other day announced that he and his wife are expecting. Uh, so congratulations, Billy. And uh, I just wanted to go around. We're all parents here of uh, kids of very different ages. But uh, if anybody has uh, some parenting advice that they could pass along to Billy, as he is going to be the most neurotic parent I can think of, I, I just pity his poor wife right now, because you know, she's going to be going through all the pregnancy stuff and, and Billy's going to be even more neurotic than normal. He's definitely having uh, sympathy pains. And we're going to play this one uh, by age of the youngest child. So Schweitz, oh. you've, got, you've got the youngest, right? I do. He's, he's about two and a half. So uh, the advice I would give is uh, advice that was given to me is you're obviously as as the man in the, uh, the relationship, you're sort of in a support role for the first little while while your wife's recovering and things like that. So just sort of be mentally prepared for that. And uh, also, you know, as they get a little bit older, any habits take about three days to form and three days to break. So sleep training, that kind of stuff, you can you can generally you know, if, if you stick to it, you can you can set habits in about three days and you can break habits in about three days. So I always try to pass that knowledge along to, to new parents. Okay. Samantha, I think you're next chronologically. Yes, I got a three-year-old. Um, I would say I know there's so much pressure that goes into the concept of like the breastfeeding versus the formula and all that stuff and whether one's going to be better for your child or, you know, the one's going to like be painfully horrible for your child don't let that get in your head because it's all about what's going to get your child fed at the end of the day. And the amount of parents that I see shaming others for not doing breastfeeding or whatever, like don't let, don't fall victim. I try my best to do a combination of both. And it was at the point where he wasn't gaining weight and they're like, you need to add formula. And it was nothing I could do to fix. I tried my best. So don't, ever let someone shame you into thinking that your choice is not the right choice. That is, that is excellent advice right there. I'm trying to remember, John, you're up. You've got a child younger than nine. Go ahead. My advice would be all parents make mistakes and it's going to be going on till, till they're 80, right? They're, they're always, they're grown up, but they're always your kids. My kids aren't close to 80, but I know I've made a ton of mistakes. I think what's what's important is to recognize that you've made those mistakes and maybe even analyze a little bit what they are and try not to repeat them. But but more importantly than that, I think, is when you do make a mistake, go ahead and apologize to your kids. Explain to them that it was wrong and why it was wrong and treat them like little little adults. And um, regardless of the age and start start off early so it becomes not just a habit for you to you know learn learn and and grow and apologize to your kid for the mistakes that inevitably you're going to make that there's no perfect parent out there um but it also i think maybe starts to 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 form them a little bit so they they themselves maybe can start taking responsibility when they make mistakes so uh it's kind of a twofer uh just understand that you're going to make mistakes and and don't get too too hung up on that and you know so you can learn from them and when you do go ahead and and make sure you 
you let your kids know that you've made the mistake and why you've made the mistake and, and apologize, probably most importantly, apologize for making that mistake. Good advice indeed. Ant, what say you? So I'm going to piggyback over John and that I totally agree with the whole idea of as a parent, you'll make mistakes. And I would just like to say to Billy, that's okay. It's not the end of the world and move on. If you worry about any particular moment or mistake that you've made, you'll get yourself way too hung up. Um, and that will end up being a larger problem than whatever mistake was made with your child. The other thing I would say, and this goes probably more so for his wife than him, but whenever your kid sleeps, you should sleep because you never know when they're going to sleep. You never know if they're going to be up all night and sleep all day, whatever. So if you have to be the one taking care of the child for any particular moment, if they're sleeping, you should sleep. If it's a half hour nap, if it's an hour nap, whatever it is, if it's all night, fantastic. But you need to do that. You need to make sure you need to get your rest as a parent. And one of the ways to get your rest, especially as the mom, is when your kid is sleeping, do your best to sleep. Now, that can't always work. Sometimes you have things you have to do and you can't necessarily. But if you can try to sleep when they can you'll be a much more rested parent and that'll make a lot of other parenting issues certainly early on seem a lot less stressful and just be easy to tackle. Well, Go I, ahead, Mayor. What about I, you? I've got, you know, I, I got, I'll probably start crying when I say I've got a 23 year old. So I've been through all those, uh, all those stages. And I think early on, the best advice I can give is just to teach your child that they're safe and that they're loved um, and that love is good. And I think as they begin to develop personalities you know, that, that struggle for self to let them have that, you know, and just enjoy that part of the process. Teach them to love and respect uh, and to be confident and to let them grow. And just as a parent, I would just simply say, you guys gave great advice. I would just simply say, enjoy every single stage that your child is in. You know, you hear people go, I can't wait till they're this, or I can't wait till they walk, or I can't wait till they, it's like, no, enjoy that period of time because they're all little special snapshots of the human being that's developed. My, my daughter is now, she's got a, you know, she's a college graduate. She's got a full-time job. She's got benefits. She's making life decisions. She's, you know, it, it, and it's just been a blessing, but every single stage along the way, just enjoy that. You're never going to feel like you did it, like you were prepared for it because nobody ever was. And everybody's been parenting from the beginning of time and nobody's got it exactly right. Here, here. You did it. Very well said. That's, that's great. All right. Menches, great job this week. By the way, I do want to mention we are without uh, steak sauce this week, without Drake and without Crispy. We missed them, but we'll hope we'll have them back. But uh, Ant, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter? You can find me at Stiano, S-T-A-I-A-N-O. Mr. Schweitz. At Schweitz, S-C-H-W-E-I-T-Z underscore A-Y. Samantha, where can they find you on Twitter? At Samantha Y26. Fantastic. John? At Papa John's. Very good. You can find me on Twitter on at Santini Math. That's S-A-N-T-I-N-I-M-A-T-T. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope you'll check out the other podcasts that have been dropping. We're pushing a lot of content. The Lower After Hours family is absolutely killing it. Got some great merch at shop.lowerafterhours.com. And make sure you check out some of our other friends in our universe. Yes, Maybe No is a fantastic listen to. Again, make sure you come on back next week for midweek mentions here on Lower After Hours. Most people only see their doctor a few days each year. For all the other days, there's CVS Health Hub, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab the essentials you need in just one trip, even on evenings and weekends, for care between doctor visits, from earaches to help with diabetes or sleep apnea. Visit your local CVS Health Hub today. That's healthier made easier.
Services vary by location. See cvs.com slash health hub for details.